This is an RNZ podcast. Yeah, actually, now that you've mentioned it, <laughs> that symbol might be a little bit off. Right. Yeah. So it's not meant to have a, a great glaring sun. sun. I didn't notice that until oh, right now. now it's no. Me. That was TVNZ's breakfast show weather guy Matty McLean spotting a mistake in his weather map on last Monday morning's show, and that prompted John Campbell to crack this joke. <laughs> hey, just go and blame Ashley Bloomfield. He done it. <laughs> you could, and he won't even hold it against <laughs> Well, I, I don't have proof that it's not true. <laughs> oh, Michael Woodhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have made sense to viewers who were watching the show earlier when National Party MP Michael Woodhouse pointed the finger of blame at the health minister in an interview about things that had gone wrong in the management of quarantine and isolation lately and prompted a review of the system, which concluded it was under extreme stress but not broken. And all that has been the source of many headlines lately, some sparked by Michael Woodhouse's startling claim that a homeless man had joined the line for a free fortnight of five-star quarantine in Auckland. And I want to talk about your homeless man in the facilities mm-hmm. in the hotel in Auckland. He didn't exist, did he? Well, of all the things that I've highlighted over the last couple of weeks, which shows what a botched management of this process has been, that was the least important. Hold, hold, actually... hold, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. And on TVNZ's breakfast show on Monday, Michael Woodhouse admitted to John Campbell he didn't have any rock-solid proof, but still claimed it was an anecdote from a reliable source. And he told RNZ's morning report the same day the government must think there's some truth to the claim if they'd worked so hard to investigate it. And the fact that the government ran down that rabbit hole to try and see how it was, uh, whether it was true suggests to me they believed it could have happened. Well... They had to believe it could have happened because if it did happen, they needed to find that person to establish whether or not they might have had COVID-19. Well, the irony of that, Corin, is that had the managed isolation process uh, been working effectively, uh, they would have been as, as safe as anybody. Some fairly tortured hypothetical logic there from Michael Woodhouse. And his other claim on Monday was that although there isn't any evidence of community transmission of COVID-19 here over the past month, only at the border... That doesn't mean there isn't any. It's implausible in the extreme to think that uh, those people who were previously not tested either uh, had COVID while they were in isolation or potentially left with it. Michael Woodhouse went on to claim to know of a swag of cases where transmission was a possibility because of failures in oversight. Now, it was, of course, Michael Woodhouse who revealed to Parliament the COVID-carrying pair who were given a compassionate exemption. But after that homeless man episode, reporters and editors will believe it when they see it from Michael Woodhouse, by which time it might be too late, if it's true. But writing on scoop.co.nz, commentator Gordon Campbell reckoned that some reporters were only too willing to believe the worst and echo the language of politicians about botches at the border. Amidst all this talk of fiascos and chaos, anyone could be forgiven for failing to grasp that, as yet, not a single person has become ill, let alone died, as a result of these allegedly calamitous lapses in border security and quarantine testing. Gordon Campbell found this puzzling, because... Normally, the New Zealand media is proud to inform us if a Kiwi wins an OK dinghy contest in Scandinavia or creates something that goes viral on social media. After all, it hasn't been by accident that this country has become a safe haven in a world of carnage. Now, when John Campbell suggested the opposite on TVNZ's breakfast show on Monday, the Prime Minister didn't like it. 
I guess the thing that Michael Woodhouse is saying is, and, 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 is that that's good luck rather than good management. Have you got the borders sound I totally, now? John, I totally reject that. I think, frankly, it is insulting to say to the New Zealand public that we're in the position we're in with a virus because of good luck. And in that plea for perspective, John Campbell noted Jacinda Ardern's change in tone like this. You're in a Churchillian mood for oratory this morning. I need some quick answers from you if that's possible. Churchillian was a bit over the top, but his finest hour was also protecting the borders of his island nation back in the day. And we today are uniting to fight an enemy at the airports, in the hotels and the roadside testing stations. But after Churchill's team won the Battle of Britain 80 years ago this month, they had to cross the borders to win the war. Though John Campbell wasn't counting on that. You were yeah. hoping, possibly, for a transition bubble by September. That's not going to happen, is it? Oh, look, ultimately we're not going to do anything before it's safe. Nonetheless, John Campbell's co-host Hayley Holt seemed quite keen on the idea. We could wing our way to the Gold Coast, maybe. Mate. Mate. Have a JB, JB and Coke <laughs> on the Gold Coast. Oh, man, it's hard. I went, um... But Hayley Holt went on to tell John Campbell that she didn't have to leave the country to work out why JB's on the GC was a bit of a pipe dream for now. I went to Rotorua, turned into the motel, and it was right next to the IBIS quarantine facility. Oh, right. And out our back window, you could see them walking around and around in the underground car park and then this tiny little bit of outside area. And they just going round and round and round and round and round and round and round. I was a bit like, ooh, <laughs> we're next to the IPIS. You know, you think that it could just sort of fly across the, across the fence, but it can't. No. Uh, no. Mm. No, it can't. <laughs> no. Having said, having said that, And as the nervous laughter died down there, co-host Jenny May Clarkson reminded breakfast viewers why a trans-Tasman bubble was not a goer just yet. Making news this morning, officials in the Australian state of Victoria are stepping up efforts to squash its COVID-19 spike after a further 49 cases were reported. More on that. But in spite of all that, some in the media this past week have been insisting that the reopening of borders and travel overseas was not for some other time in the future. In the Sunday Star Times last weekend, Stuff's political editor Luke Malpass said New Zealand could end up a COVID-free cul-de-sac for the rest of the world. Unless a second wave of COVID sees the globe drift into a Mad Max-type world, with New Zealand becoming a beacon of civilization, we can't simply live shut off forever. And his fear was shared at length by News Talk ZB's Mike Hosking with his listeners this past week. So Europe's open, the borders are down, the planes are flying, the trains are going. And so the question is, how long are we going to keep our borders closed and what's our plan? Well, bookings are indeed being taken in the UK in anticipation of limited travel next week between some European countries, including the UK, Germany, France and Spain. But it's not true that Europeans are on the move en masse for their holidays just yet. Despite plans to restart the tourism industry, the latest UK Foreign Office advice, for example, states that Brits are still not permitted to travel abroad. But Mike said we should be thinking about letting travellers in here as well. There's really nothing stopping us opening with Australia and there's certainly nothing stopping us opening with the Pacific Islands. Now one thing that's stopping us from opening up to travel right now is of course that no one would want to come if they have to do two weeks of quarantine, which is required. But 20 minutes later, Mike Hosking said this. 
the world is starting to travel and there are implications in there for us. We'll talk to Jacinda Ardern in about an hour's time, 12 past six. Well, Mike Hosking did talk to the Prime Minister soon after, but not about opening the borders, which was a shame because he kept on talking about it unchallenged throughout the programme. People all over Europe are going on holiday, right? It's summer, the borders are now largely open, planes are flying, tickets are being booked and you can go on holiday. IATA, the aeroplane people, last week issued a warning for countries like ours that if we keep borders shut, we run the risk of being left behind. Now, there's self-interest in that, of course. Uh, They're desperate for planes to fly and normality to return. But for a country like ours, for regions like central Otago, this is crippling. Now, IATA is the International Air Travel Association, and it did indeed issue that warning and has been urging countries like ours to stop quarantining people. It represents 300 airlines around the world, so it does indeed have a massive vested interest, as Mike Hosking said. But Mike Hosking reckoned that what was good for Big Plane is also good for us. If the whole world opens to some sort of degree, we've seen what happens. People get on with it. If they want to travel and they can, they will. And if it doesn't include us, then the only losers are us. Uh, What was the point of a great health outcome if the economic one is a catastrophe? There's a question you want to ask yourself. And for a country that needs and relies on and is beholden to the world, that, I would have thought, is a disaster. Hosking. But what Mike Hosking didn't tell his listeners was what are IATA's alternatives to quarantine to keep everybody safe. Aside from observing standard COVID-19 hygiene on the planes and keeping passengers from high and low-risk countries apart while they're on the ground, the IATA plan is effectively just four bullet points. Health declarations, screening and testing by governments, it says, will add extra layers of protection and effective contact tracing, they say, can isolate most of those at risk without major disruptions. And that's about it. And most of the heavy lifting on all that would be done by the governments in the host countries and the authorities there, and not by the airline industry. So IATA is effectively asking the government, do you feel lucky? But meanwhile, Mike's morning airtime rival Duncan Garner has been urging a complete closure of the border. Because as you know, we now have 20 cases all of a sudden. The border is our flimsy pandemic frontline, in my view. COVID breached the border to arrive here. COVID came back through the airport to kickstart the next round. That's the truth. Now that angered Kiwis overseas, including Duncan Garner's own former press gallery colleague at NewsHub, Lloyd Burr, who's now NewsHub's reporter in London. On NewsHub's website, he told Duncan Garner he was bonkers. What a load of crap. Crap that's causing a whole lot of unnecessary angst to many Kiwis who are in really tough situations over here. And Duncan, please understand that your plan, despite being so damned flawed, is actually freaking people out. And they're not alone. People here, vox popped in long lines for COVID testing this past week, have told reporters they think the border has failed, largely because of what they've seen and heard in our media. On Tuesday, there was this development, though, reported by NewsHub. We're set to join a list of 14 countries the EU has deemed as safe to welcome travellers from. But as Anna bracewell Worrell reports, there's a warning from our Prime Minister, don't go, and if you do, it's at your own risk. And the prospect of a ticket to a European holiday further excited Mike Hosking. Now that Europe is having fun in the summer holiday, sign, and we're officially invited, Jacinda True to reputation says it's too dangerous, you mustn't go. You get the sense she longs for the good old bad old days where we were all locked down and doing as we were told and be kind was all she basically had to say each day. But he's not the only one though who's been pushing the government for a steer lately on when and how our borders might be opened up if the rest of the world hasn't yet stamped out COVID-19. National Party leader Todd Muller and Business New Zealand have both been pushing hard for this in their media interviews as well. On Thursday, the editorial running in Stuff's daily papers like the Press and the Dominion Post said this. 
New Zealanders will look at the outbreak in Victoria and think about how lucky we were during our own border bungles that now look overhyped by comparison. But the editorial didn't elaborate on who had done that hyping. That editorial went on to warn that COVID fatigue could create an impatience to open borders and return to business as usual. And that would be a folly, said the editorial, as most of the rest of the world is far from usual right now. That same day, TBNZ's John Campbell pushed Dr Ashley Bloomfield on planning for the opening of borders at some point, vaccine or not. And so talk of opening the borders, even incrementally, you are saying is still premature. Oh, I'm saying that that talk is very active, of course, but we have to weigh up the benefits and risks. One of the benefits of the current arrangements we have is that we've got a fully open, essentially, a domestic economy. Who would have thought people would be able to go to super rugby games? Any efforts to open up the border need to weigh up the risks of that. And that's an interesting point. Mike Hosking reckoned we rely on tourism to the tune of about 12 or $13 billion a year. It's actually $40 billion all up in total spending annually. But just under 60% of that is spent by us taking trips at home, and not the foreigners who are currently locked out. Also on Thursday, Air New Zealand's chief executive Greg Foran wrote to customers to say domestic travel demand is now increasing and Air New Zealand's even flying more customers to Queenstown right now than at this time last year. And he said the increase in demand had enabled Air New Zealand to rescind the redundancies of over 100 cabin crew. Flying in COVID contamination from overseas, you'd think, would quickly jeopardise that too. Now it's a fact that Europe's borders are opening, even to us, as Mike Hosking said on News Talk ZB this week when he criticised this government's response. But the same day, Ireland's independent newspaper reported that the pandemic has cast a gloom over summer sun holidays abroad. Many holidaymakers are wondering if they're worth the hassle and if their trip will be the relaxing break they'd looked forward to. Ireland's chief medical officer said in the paper that people who'd booked a getaway abroad should back out because of the risk of picking up COVID-19 and bringing it back. Doesn't sound much like the fun in the summer sun that Mike Hosking had in mind. On Friday morning, National MP Hamish Walker hit the headlines with claims the government was putting Dunedin, Invercargill and Queenstown at risk with plans to isolate thousands of recent arrivals from India, Pakistan and South Korea there. And this was also in the news the same morning. The former Chief Science Advisor Sir Peter Gluckman, former Prime Minister Helen Clark and ex-Air New Zealand Chief Executive Rob Fife believe an extended delay will cause huge damage to the economy. They say the strategy of eliminating COVID-19 is not sustainable and must be updated, and they believe the border can open safely with an intensive testing regime and better contact tracing. Sir Peter Gluckman told Morning Report that now is not the time to open up the borders, but it is the time to plan for how it could be done and to look at how places like Taiwan are already doing it and the contact tracing that we'd need to have in place, which we don't have now. Sir Peter did many more interviews on Friday on behalf of this power trio who previously held big jobs. And News Hub at Six, for instance, saw it as very much a direct prompt to the Prime Minister. Reprimanded over keeping New Zealand's borders closed by three people she admires. Including her former mentor, Helen Clark, and her own former science advisor. Zach Fleming reports. Sir Peter Gluckman says we need a reopening plan, which implies he doesn't think we have one. Now, some people resented the fact that these three commanded so much media attention with the so-called conversation paper, which was only three and a half pages long, light on detail, and raised no fewer than 22 separate questions. And on News Hub Nation this weekend, the Prime Minister hit back, challenging Sir Peter's backing of tech and phone-based contact tracing systems. But this is what Sir Peter, Helen Clark and Rob Fife wanted, presumably, a debate in public 
and in the media about how best to reopen our borders when the time comes. On his site, politic.co.nz, Richard Harmon said all this was also in tune with Sir Peter Gluckman's mission to link together a small number of small advanced economies around the world, including New Zealand, and scientific experts cooperating in ways that diplomatics and political leaders around the world seem to struggle with during the current crisis. And that sounds a bit more like a plan that the media could examine rather than the lobbying of overseas airlines and tourism and pundits pointing to Europe's holiday hotspots in a bid to speed up the opening of borders.